If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. Episode 346 of the Severe MMA Podcast is here. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Graham Sunes of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about the comeback week in the world of mixed martial arts, uh, big cards last night over in uh, in Las Vegas. Not the biggest card in the world, but uh, an interesting main event and some, uh, some relatively interesting fights with a massive card next week. Uh, we give you a slight breakdown of uh, any of the news that happened over the uh, over the Christmas as well, and talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about Irish MMA as well uh, as we kind of set the stall out for the year here in mixed martial arts. But first, we must tell you that this podcast is presented by Manscaped, and Cupid works hard in February, but our friends in Manscaped are working harder than ever, as it's coming up, you know, on Valentine's Day is one to remember. Don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day this year, and get in control with the Performance Package 4.0, which includes the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This February, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use the code SEVERE, 20% off and free shipping. Contrary to popular belief, love is not blind when you can see past the love jungle. The performance four point package 4.0 will leave you more um, dating app notifications at Cupid has arrows. The lovely bundle comes equipped with the best tools needed uh, when freshening up for a night out. First thing you get is the lawnmower 4.0 with the exam- ex- advanced skin safe technology it's a while since i've done my manscaped read uh it reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts it also comes with the 4000k led light that brightens enough to see true love this year uh, confucius says education breeds confidence so it's time you uh, you get educated on the ultimate grooming routine for all your areas of romance this year uh the weed whacker is also included that trims your nose and ear hair uh, to get all the worst weeds away um and manscaped even threw in two free gifts to shed travel bag which i'll be using going up to bellator here in a couple of weeks hopefully if it happens and the anti-chafing boxer briefs as well to keep your boys cool and collected for extra freshness uh, manscaped have some liquid for- formulations as well uh, the crop preserver ball deodorant and the crop reviver ball toner works right out of the shower the deodorant does while the toner is the perfect go-to weapon designed to keep your good smelling wonderful all day and all night long let's not just focus on your southern region this time though because manscaped has a refined cologne as well now it's cherry on top of the perfect date package 
Pepe Le Pew approved. It, uh, it offers a masculine yet light scent that will leave your lady speechless. Manscaped has you covered this Valentine's Day. Get yourself that gift that you need that both you and your date will appreciate. So go to manscaped.com and get our exclusive 20% off and free shipping with the code Severe May. Remember, you can't buy love. But you can buy a clean pair of balls. Get 20% off and free shipping to go to Vermeer at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Help tame that love jungle you have in your pants with Manscaped. Right, Graham, let's uh, let's get straight into it. I suppose before we get straight into it, Happy New Year to uh, to everybody out there. Uh, we've had obviously uh, lots of uh, lots of stuff on on Patreon and the podcast as as regularly scheduled, I suppose. But we've taken a couple of weeks off, and it's good to I suppose uh, build our way back and and to uh, get a bit of a break from it. I was a bit sick again. I don't think I actually had the Rona because I I had a few tests, but I was sick for a couple of weeks like the exact same thing that happened last week so every time i get a week off i get sick but anyway we managed to grab a few days out of it and we had a good christmas and everything like that so back into back into mma now and back and back to the grind again but it felt i don't know it felt a little bit less of a grind last night i think the first couple of fights especially i think everyone was like oh this is brilliant and you know we all we had those jokes on twitter that we always have after the first fight this is fight of the year and all of this which usually i'd be like oh lads come on but <laughs> <laughs> last night i was like ah oh, yeah, yeah mma is back because it's been so long but uh yeah i think it, around fight three i think a lot of people were quick like oh shit here we here we go again but you know overall maybe if this fight night i think happened on another night it would have been a bit more depressing or something maybe what last night wasn't too bad for the first one back but anyway how, before we get into the card how was, how was the new year uh, was it all good and, and uh, did you get up to any crack or anything uh, there wasn't much going on you know with the with everything being kind of half locked down and all that stuff but uh it was still enjoyable you know take a bit of a break and uh enjoy the christmas and obviously the the new year's but uh there wasn't any big celebrations or anything uh around my parts anyway uh, no, no, not around here. Either. Congratulations to uh, I, don't, I don't know if they've all announced it yet. The severe macro, but we had, we had a couple of engagements. Ian, anyway, as well, got engaged. I, I, I went on to the other one until maybe it comes public. But Ian, uh, Ian got engaged and a couple of more lads. Well, so. <laughs> oh, there isn't, there isn't too many to pick from. Unless it's you. you can, it's not me, anyway. It, there's, a, I think we've actually almost ruled everyone out because Andy's already engaged. So you could, you could probably guess. But uh, yeah, congratulations to the lads, anyway, and. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good time of the year. You know, it's a good time of the year to get back to it. And um, I, look, I, it's funny. I was talking to a couple, or even even reading a couple of MMA fans on uh, on Twitter talking, you know, during the break. And a lot of them were like, "Oh God, I, I wish uh, the UFC was back. I wish we'd fight this weekend. I'm nothing to do." And in talking to any like journalist or fellow media member, and they're like, "Oh, thank God, there's no fights." <laughs> weekend you know it's 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 one of those i feel the, the difference between it being maybe a job and a, and a hobby it's like when there's no premier league on i'm like oh jesus where where's the where's the man united match or where's the liverpool match i'm sure you're saying and stuff but it's a little bit different when you're covering it but you know we, we we won't complain and we don't complain too much and it's it's good to have the fights back but i i think you know if we did have to start a break once or twice a year i think everyone will probably be happy enough but anyway we will uh we, we will leave that for a side um the fights last night Calvin Cater versus you get your cards in the main event. I suppose it it did deliver, but it delivered in a very different way than we were expecting. I think a lot of people, me and you included, Graham, I'd say, assumed you get your cards would win this. We even did a podcast uh, over on Patreon, myself and, and Harry and Ian, and we were kind of talking in, in for for a brief moment anyway. It'll be coming up this week. 
as if like Giga had won them fight. And we, we we almost forgot about Calvin Cater a little bit, like even Pena the last uh, you know was it the last UFC or two UFCs ago. Uh, you'd almost you know you'd almost write her off, and that's that's the wrong thing to do. It absolutely is the wrong thing to do. And we speak, you know, uh, we, 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 you know later about uh, Brandon Moreno versus Davidson Figueredo, and you know the same thing maybe happened with Moreno. So this MMA is a sport where. You know, things change. People can do different things. People can show up and improve in very different ways. And we've seen it now too many times over the last few years, even with the likes of Brian Ortega when he came back after his year out. And Cater now, not necessarily looking like a different fighter, but looking as good a fighter as he ever looked at maybe, uh, and definitely a, a, a bit better, or a lot better even. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes after one loss of things, maybe we are... Uh, too inclined to to write guys off, and no, we didn't do a proper maybe preview of this between the two of us. Ian did a great preview over over on YouTube, and I hopped on for like fifteen minutes, and it was one of those ones I hadn't maybe put the most thought into because we're just kind of getting back to it. But all the thought I put into it was like, okay, Gig is going to win, and he's going to be the the next guy, and you know, we were absolutely wrong. What were, what were your thoughts going into? It? Were you kind of shocked by how, what went down? Yeah, well, I thought it'd be a, a close fight, but I thought, uh, uh, you know, after watching Qatar against Holloway take such a beating, you think, oh, like, you know, it's it's going to be hard to to come back from that. But it looks like he really learned from that and he, he came in with a really good game plan to keep Giga on, on his back foot and not really, he obviously he landed a few nice body kicks in the, in the, in the early stages, but he kind of took that away from him in a lot of ways and wore him down. And another thing that Qatar hadn't, uh, Qatar hadn't his, in, in his back or in his experience bank was five rounds before, you know, he, he'd won a five round decision against Dan Oig and uh, he'd gone the, the distance with Max Holloway. So, you know, I think looking back on it, we yeah, I I would have kind of overlooked Qatar's uh, skills a little bit because of the Max Holloway fight. But you know, we 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 got to remember that Max Holloway is is upper echelon. He's elite. Like uh, it's very hard to look good against him, and he didn't look good against him. But you know, I think it's more of a testament to how good Max Holloway is than you know uh, that maybe made Calvin look kind of ordinary and people maybe like us write him off a little bit but he he answered all them doubters anyway in in emphatic fashion I thought I thought he won every round yeah I I would agree I I don't think I don't think people necessarily wrote him off after Max Holloway fight I think a lot of people you know gave Max the props and said it was because Max was good but then you kind of forget, and he's been out for a good while as well. And I think Mark Romani made a great point as well. Uh, and I, I have to make it here in, in case I forget it, because he said that the team kept him out and they didn't let him spar for a good while, and they kept him out a good few months until he got back into training. And then that's very, very important. That's after very beating. smart. Yeah, yeah, very, very smart. That's so, the, it's unusual for that. Usually, these guys, when they take a loss like that, they're they're in there on the Monday beating the head off each other again. So that looked like it stood very well to him. A hundred percent. And and that's not a thing like oh he just came out and needed a better. Performance or anything that you know they meant to do that. That that was designed to make him uh, a better fighter for this fight and a better fighter going forward. And it absolutely hundred percent worked. So you know the preparation as well as the performance was was absolutely uh, was absolutely standout. So you know you everything you have to give absolute credit to Cater. But as I said, like it's almost that like we forgot that he was still a good fighter and it's in a weird way and maybe if this was a card in the middle of the year or something like that maybe maybe we wouldn't have and he would have got maybe a bit more respect but there's no doubt about it people were writing him off usually when fighters come out after the fight and say everyone wrote me off they're they're you know they're 
talking to me the shite but Kato was right he was absolutely right people were writing him off everything I like I saw and watched and I even from myself the bits I talked about this fight it, it was that way but it, look it was one of those fights I don't think many people thought he was going to go in there and get blitzed and dominated but yeah. I think you know they definitely didn't expect him to go out there and do the dominating himself yeah 100% like it was one of those fights where you, you started off and you look at it and you think look it started relatively well for Giga I think he was landing his shots early um the the pressure that was trying to be applied from Cater wasn't working that well. Like Giga was stepping to the side well, landing his landing his kicks and everything like that. But then Giga got off balance at one stage, and Cater just like went straight through him, picked him up, and put him on his arse. And basically, the yeah, fight it was kind of like a slip from the, he was like yeah. the, after a couple of body kicks, he went for a head kick and kind of slipped. And you know you got to seize the moment, and and Calvin did brilliantly, and that was a big turning death turning point in the fight. I think yeah, a hundred percent because. Okay, he got taken down from that. Um, this basically ended the round on, on his back after. It was a close first round. I think Cater did some some nice work. I gave it fifty forty five, so I did give that round to Cater. But it, look, it doesn't matter in, in the in the greater schemes. Maybe it's one you watch back and give to Chikadze again. But I I thought it, it was for Cater. And then the second round started, and this pressure game that I think Cater tried to implement from the very start worked at the start of the second for long periods he landed some big shots and Giga was doing actually really well in the midpoint of the second round just with jabs but he was so tired after landing about 10 or 15 of those jabs that you're like there's a period of the fight where literally for maybe I don't know how long maybe 90 seconds where he was winning and he was landing all of the shots with jabs but you're thinking right they're not doing any damage to Cater, his face looks fine, he's not getting hurt by him at all, and it's not actually like winning you the, the possession of the fight, if you want to put it that way, the area of the fight, which, okay, for judging doesn't matter, but we're, we're talking about the tactics of the fight here for a second, uh, it's not winning you any of that, and it's just making you more tired, and when that jab kind of disappeared from him then Cater started taking over with the jab the fight just went completely away from him uh, Cater was just walking him down. He, wa- he was landing shots, but in a way where it was like just just shot after shot after shot. It was a volume win more than anything. And Jakadza just he couldn't land. I remember, um, it, I think it was Dom or was it Dominic or, or Michael in, in the uh, in the fourth round, maybe saying Jakadza is still throwing, but there's no hard shots. And then he kind of landed one hard shot, and they were like, kind of apart from that one. And that, that was it. It was like that. It was like, oh, you'd see him land a hard shot the other time. He landed a really hard body kick at one stage, I think maybe in the fifth round, but it was very sparse. It, there wasn't enough at all from Chikadze. And look, whether uh, Ian actually pointed it out to me last night, I was talking to him on uh, on WhatsApp, and I kind of I was wondering what was wrong with it. Ian said that he big strapping underneath his uh, uh, you know he kind of a brace on his left ankle or whatever you call it, ankle socks, and he had a strapping underneath that. Whether it was he came into an injury or whether just his cardio is not that good or whatever it may be. I know a few people were saying about that that his cardio might not be the best in the world going past the few rounds. It certainly didn't look that way last night anyway. But Cater uh, did take it away from him, and a guy who runs fights like that, and a guy who you know is is a guy who gets ahead. You know, we've seen it with McGregor before in the past. He's a guy who leads from the front, and when you know he no longer leads from the front, there's a slight bit of like, oh shit, and this is not my usual game. And when you're put into an uncomfortable position, that's when you get tired, and that's exactly what happened. I thought to Jiga Chikadze last night, he didn't look himself as well. I think he probably came in with a little bit of an injury, um, and which may have like 
taking a little bit away from his cardio as well. But that only matters if Cater was able to come out there and implement the game plan like he did to to take that cardio to the to where uh, you know you, you're it's going to cost you, and it absolutely cost him last night. What do you think of the, of the tactics of the fight itself, Graham? And was there any uh, do you have any disagreement with what I said there? I pretty much agree with you there. Like, I think, you know, Calvin came in there disciplined to kind of stick to his plan, even though it wasn't, as you said, it wasn't really working in the first round, trying to pressure, he, he, you know, he, he sees the opportunity to get to, to get on top and maybe took a bit of the, the steam out of... Uh, out of Giga and you know I think as I said from there the fight kind of changed maybe it was a fact of you know depending on how bad that ankle or leg injury is maybe it's harder to cut weight it's harder to do cardio because of because of that injury and that could could have led to it but it probably was a number of factors you know and Calvin Calvin's game plan he stuck to it really well and you know he he, he took some big shots as well like that, those body or those body shots really reddened up the side of his body and you know he just kept coming forward and he was throwing them nice nice elbows he landed none of them were like huge knockout blows but he landed multiple uh, nice nice elbows and uh, kind of just he just did enough to win each round and it was a really professional execution of a game plan I think and he, he really wore uh, Giga out and you, you knew before I say you know the third round even that it, it was only going one way and you know it's a big it's a big uh, win for Calvin he, coming off that Max Holloway loss if he had lost this one he, he'd be in a completely different situation than he, than he is now he has a big win in the main event the first card back in in a, in a long time, so maybe there's a few more eyeballs on it, and it was a it was a good fight as well. It wasn't you know for, maybe it is fight of the year now, but at this exact moment, but um, it won't be for long. It was one of those ones, really, wasn't it? Where it's a good fight but one sided, and I think a lot. Sometimes people get away from those fights, like even Cater and, and Holloway. People were like calling that one of the fights of the year. It, I I think if you're talking you need about a bit more back and forth, yeah, yeah, you do. Like it's. Is is a soccer match uh, a match of the year if fucking Man City win eight nil? Like it, it's not. It might be a man- magnificent performance for Man City, but like if if but people have tuned out at two nil after twelve minutes yeah, already, exactly. so nobody's even watching. And that wasn't this. In fairness, maybe this was an eight three, maybe or something like that. You know, uh, and and it started off two two or something like that. But it, it was yeah, it was uh, it was definitely um, yeah, it was definitely more one sided. And I look. I think it probably will be in discussion towards the end of the year because there aren't that many classic fights anymore, I don't think. But uh, for me, not n- a very, very good fight. Not a great fight, though. Um, in in terms of, like, an all-time great or a top fight yeah. of the year, I don't think, I think it should the, be there. Yeah. You know, the, the the feeling that, oh, this fight is only going one way kind of takes away the excitement yeah, and the jeopardy. Early, I know anything so. can happen in MMA, but, like, you know, something crazy could happen and a Giga could knock him out or hit him with one of those body shots and he goes down or whatever, but it, it just, you didn't get the feeling that it was, that it was coming. The, the only feeling I got was, like, oh, could we have, like, another Sergio Perez at our hands here? But that was, like, if that fight hadn't happened, I wouldn't have had that feeling if at that all. that wasn't fresh know? in your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so. And you hadn't seen a couple of spinning elbows being thrown in that fight. <laughs> yeah, maybe, so. exactly, exactly. And the only thing that kind of I supposed to come out afterwards about this fight was some bullshit from Dana White where he was like, oh, this proves that giving the fight to the Korean zombie last week was the right decision. I'm like, you're the person who always says, like, never judge a card until it's happened. And it's like, why you are, it's all right for you to judge this card before it happens and judge this fight before it happens. But so the next pay per view, if we think it's not good enough, 
and uh, we think it's good, not going to be great. Are we right? Like, are you, are you trying to say Dan is a hypocrite? Uh, uh, no, I can't. That can't be right. That, that simply can't be right. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of bullshit from Dana. But um, yeah, look, I think a lot of people are talk calling for Cater versus Yair next. Cater versus Ortega. Give me either of those. I'd like to see them. And uh, for Giga, I think he needs to do what Cater did. Take a little bit of time off. Fight. I wouldn't have him fighting again until the autumn, maybe or late summer or something like that. You know, get you know, get that head right. I don't think it was as big of a, a dis- destruction as Cater versus Holloway, and as big in terms of um, damage. He took a lot of damage to his face and outwardly and stuff. But I don't think it was as bad, and I don't think it's one like you know Pettis versus RDA that it took like five years for him to come back to some bit of a normality. I don't think it was one of those beatings, but it was uh, it, it was pretty. Uh, pretty dominant um, right we'll run through the rest of this card pretty quickly because there wasn't that much to be honest um, Jake Collier against Jay Sherman I uh, yeah this is one of those ones where I don't like talking about it because my opinion is that Jay Sherman gave up gave the choke here and let him let Jay Collier win basically after he'd taken the shot and that's a tough thing to say but we are talking about the toughest people on fucking planet earth here and I don't think Jay Sherman is one of those, to be honest. Like, Jay Collier got a great mount. Look, Chase did well early because um, Collier was landing some good shots and he was hitting him back and he was trying to, to land shots and he did land a few. But when the fight got to the ground and Collier got to the mount, um, Sherman gave up his back, which I think is the right thing to do against someone like Collier. But when you give up your back, you know there's someone who's either going to land some ground and pound or they're going to go for the rear naked choke. And he went for the rear naked choke. And it took him maybe, like, 15 to 20 seconds to actually get it on with a couple of different attempts and Chase Sherman didn't try to fight it once he was cut open badly uh, maybe he was hurt maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on him but to me he didn't fight the hands he was kind of waiting for Collier to, to get in the jokes to give him time to tap and he's like okay right you have the choke in great I'm going to tap now and that's it that was the end of the fight but maybe I'm being a little bit harsh yeah. what do you think yeah, I think even from, you know, the takedown was basically just he pushed him over and he just fell over and it was just like, oh, this is, you knew where it was only going one way from there, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, even Jake Collier probably, you know, would have liked a bit of more of a fight put up. You know, they don't want to talk afterwards to be your opponent just basically said, yeah, I'm finished uh, and gave you the choke. So Take a drink, yeah, take a was, drink. Do you hear the dog bark in the background? Yeah, the this dog's is- not happy with this one from Chase's performance. <laughs> Anyway, it'd be grand. Yeah, uh, what one? What look wasn't a classic. Um, Brandon Royval and Rogerio Bonturin. Look, a relatively close fight. It was a split decision. Uh, I did think Royval. I think it was the first round was the one that um that that the, the split. Uh, I I thought Royval did win it. All right. Look, it was one of those fights where we had two very different fighters who fight in kind of the same way. Like Royval is one of these lads when he gets to the ground and he like straightens his body out. He's like planking just to get out, and he's really awkward and weird. And then Bonterin is just all about like voice gripping him, yeah, <laughs> holding on for dear life. It's so weird. It was a, a very odd fight, but uh. Yeah, one of my bets for, for Sherdog was this to go to the decision, and it happened, so I'm, I was happy enough with that. But, um, yeah, I think the right guy came out, Rival. It was weird. It was one of those fights where... Like, if Bontorin in the first round, if instead of holding on like so tightly, if he just had landed a few more yeah. ground and pound, if he had it postured up for a flurry, he could like that round was extremely close. Yeah. He could have won that, and if he had a won that, he would have won the fight. So, yeah, it's obviously it's easy to beat a... 
the, the you know, Monday after morning the Monday morning quarterback yeah. or the general after the, the the battle and all that, but you know that's how close this fight was. I think the Monday morning Mac Jones. It's easy to be that, but yeah, it's uh, our Sunday morning even. Sure, look, but uh, yeah, uh, Caitlin Chukagan then does what Caitlin Chukagan does. Uh, I thought it was a little bit of a better fight than I was expecting, maybe, but. Uh, Chukagan by decision. Uh, not, you know, there's nothing. If you've ever watched a Caitlin Chukagan bite before, this is what exactly happened again. So, um, the next fight in, um, this is a guy whose name you're going to have to start learning. Uh, Vlyoslav Boroshev. This guy is championship material. Um, he is brilliant. He has power. He showed last night that he's well able to fight in the ground, that his takedown defense is good as well. Um, he knocked out Dakota Bush after losing, I think, a large portion of that fight um, and just destroyed him with a... Uh, they say liver shot here. I don't think it was. I think it was too high up. I think this was just like a rib-crushing shot. You you never see in, in combat sports a guy... Usually people get hit in the body, whether it's rib, whether it's liver, whatever it might be, and then they feel it, go to a knee, and they're like, I can't do anything. This shot halved Dakota Bush. He, like, went down as the shot landed. It was so devastating. It yeah. just Usually there's a little him. delay of, like, yeah. a second where the guy's like, oh. It, <laughs> but this just, time he was already on his way down. It destroyed him. And it's one of those, like, there's nothing you can do if you're in Dakota Bush's position. I'm, I'm glad I've never been in that position, and hopefully I never will be. But, like, it, it, your body just takes over at that stage, and... He just, he could not go on. And Boroshev, this guy to me, he's next level. You don't often see guys with this sort of skill set as well. He seems to be a bit of a character as well. Uh, and, you know, I know him a little bit better because he fought Chris Duncan on the Contender Series. And I watched that fight. And knowing how good Chris Duncan is, to destroy him the way Boroshev did, I'm like, this guy must be a good fighter. Kind of half forgot he was fighting until last night. Ian texted me and he was like, oh, this is the guy who beat Chris Duncan. I was like, oh, yeah, shit, it is. And I, you know, I was looking forward to this fight. Dakota Bush is a good fighter. Like, he was 8 and 3 coming into this fight, being around for a while. So. Very, very good win here, and uh, definitely guy I would be, uh, I would be looking out for. Yeah. In, in, in I uh, like before, yeah, he could be one to look out for. I, I see on his record, he he lost there about a year, a year ago to to William Starks uh, in LFA in a split decision. So I don't know, like that could have been a, a wrong decision. Or I'd like to see that fight, but uh, he definitely looked good against Dakota Bush. But there's there's definitely um a lot more high-caliber guys that he's going to come up against. And we, we may see holes in his game exposed. And Put him in there with Paddy Pimler. 155. Yeah, yeah. That'd, that'd be a good fight. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, speaking of Paddy Pimler, uh, well, Bill Aljo fought Brendan Lockdown. So that's... <laughs> I don't know how that's speaking of Paddy Pimler. But anyway, um, he went in there and he won the unanimous decision over Joe Anderson Burrito. Um... I actually thought it was very close. I thought Brito might have got a card here, but but he didn't. Um, and Aljo at the end of the fight was like celebrating and all, and then giving out about the judges at the end, saying we need five judges. Like, okay, three judges aren't good enough, but five will be better. This is like fucking pointless. But um, you know, relatively so just good the quality fight. would just go down, and then there'd be yeah. <laughs> two less quality judges. Uh, it's, it's most idiotic. It's fucking hell. But um. Yeah, look, a lot of the fight was Joe Anderson holding on, which played against him with the judges, I think. But he did land some shots in between that, and Aljo didn't do 
massive work and he, he won I think it was the second he won and, and parts of the third was were close as well and I thought the first was very close but however I, I wouldn't disagree with the with the decision at all I think Aljo probably just about deserved it uh, same goes for Jamie Pickett against Joseph Holmes uh, I thought he was a little bit better throughout not the best fight in the world I thought Court McGee looked really good against Raheem uh, Razim Bahim um you know, good performance over over three rounds, as we're we're noted to see from Court McGee. He looks to be in fantastic shape, probably the best shape of his life. I would say, I haven't seen him, you know, fighting for probably the last decade. So great to see Court McGee still doing it. Brian Keller as well, probably the best performance I've seen from him in a good while against Kevin Croom. Um, who you know, Kevin Croom is like a guy you see him, and he's he's lots of fights now. He came in, I think, to the UFC on on Charnotis at one stage. And I thought maybe he would be able to rise a little bit higher, but I don't know, may, may, maybe not. But a uh, good win for uh, for Brian Kelleher. And then TJ Brown against Charles Rosa. Charles Rosa came in, took this on three days' notice. Um, I, I thought it was a good performance on three days' notice. I always loved watching Charles Rosa fight. Um, he's he's one of those guys who, are, who always delivers, of course, to the ground. He will... Um, you know, he he will do. He will make it He'll a fun fight. He'll never give up as well. You know, yeah. he came on strong in the third round. Even even though he took this uh, this fight on very short notice, as you mentioned, he's definitely a tough a tough uh, tough ask. And on short notice, you know, TJ Brown taking a tough guy like that when he probably didn't need to as well was was a bit of a risk. And uh, it's a very good win for TJ Brown. One hundred percent. And he's been working um, Charles Ross as well. He's been working with Dean Barry. I know Dean's been out there, and I thought his kicking looked uh, a lot better in this fight as well. So working with Dean is obviously. Uh, Obviously paid off uh, for him. We'll talk a little bit about Dean later in the podcast as well. So, uh, But a good win for, for TJ Brown. I thought it looked, uh, looked pretty good in this uh, this fight as well. So uh, fair play to him. Um, before we talk about next week as well, KSW had a card uh, at the weekend. I'm still catching up with it actually at the moment. I just woke up and recorded it, so I haven't had a chance yet. But by all accounts, the top two fights were uh, were relatively close. Bo went to a decision with you know uh, Zolowski retaining his title, beating Boris Minkowski, um three rounds to two. I think he won the last round there. And the same goes for uh, Ibrahim, who beat Thomas Narcoon, who uh, was the longest reigning KSW champion, and he beat him by unanimous decision for the light heavyweight championship as well. So that was definitely a shock in that one. Um, uh, Mikel Materla uh, defeated Jason Radcliffe. That uh, I tweeted out that knockout, a really nice looking knockout in the first round. Hurt Materla over the top with a right hand and finished him with a bit of ground and pound in. So, or hurt Radcliffe, sorry. Materla won that fight. And, uh, you know, Materla being obviously around for a long, long time and he's, you know, very, very good. Uh, winning, good to see him back in KSW after one fight away as well. Uh, Thomas Rankowski ended up losing against uh, Kat Zabowski uh, in this one. Nicholas Backstrom in his comeback fight lost to Sebastian Rankowski, who whose brother um, was beaten by Donovan Desme, Lucas Rakowski by submission with the arm triangle in the second round, which I called, if anyone's listening to the, the, uh, to the Sherdog uh, betting show, I called both of them and I actually gave them a turlet to win as well. So if you're betting on my KSW picks, you know, be, you'd be doing pretty well. But uh, yeah, good to see Donovan Desme back in winning ways. You know, a lot of people who watch Cage Warriors especially know his quality and he lost his first fight in, Cage, in uh, KSW, but he's back to winning ways there. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up with that card. I'm sure Sean Dini will be talking about it and the lads as well. Maybe we can mention it on the uh, on the preview show for next week as well. But uh, yeah, good stuff in KSW. They always put on good cards and uh, looked like this was uh, was another good one as well from the bits I caught of it. So good stuff uh, from them. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, UFC 270. Obviously, um, 
the first big pay-per-view of the year. This is the time every year where I'm like, right, I must start keeping my lists now for next year. Knockout of the year, card of the year. I'll probably have like one draft in my Gmail and, and that'll be it. And, and there'll be no more about it. And this will be it. So if there's any big knockout here next Saturday night or anything, there's a, a great chance that I'll go looking for my list next year and you'll you'll probably win it. So And there could be with the uh, the massive main event of Francis Ngannou uh, against Cyril uh, against Cyril Gagne in the main event uh, for the the unified heavyweight title, I suppose. Um, and the rest of the card as well is not not too bad. We have the UFC flyweight title fight between Brandon Moreno and Davidson Figueiredo in the trilogy of that uh, fight. We have Elias Tapuria against Charles Jordan. Rodolfo Vieira is on the card against Wellington Torman. Um, Saeed Nurmagomedov against Cody Stamen. That's probably a standout fight for me. Tony Gravely's on the card. Tony Bersolos, Mikel Pereira. But there isn't... I wouldn't say there's an amazing standout matchup apart from the one I just mentioned there on, on this undercard. A lot of fights have fallen out in the two. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Topology here and uh, Cannoneer versus Brunson. It says rescheduled. Greg Hardy versus Olenek. Olenek withdrew and Hardy's injured as well. He was supposed to fight Spivak after that. We were supposed to get Ivalev versus Taboria, which is a fantastic fight. Obviously, um, as I mentioned, uh, Taboria is still on the on the card. Ivalev, which I, uh, I believe with an injury. And there was talks of uh, Alessandra versus Whitaker on this card as well, but that's going to be farther down the line. And, and, you know, a different title fight is in here. So, we, look, I, I think what we have here is two fantastic fights at the top. I actually think there's probably three or four fights that will deliver as fun fights, but maybe we were missing a couple of names to make it a massive, massive card. And we'll, you know, that might be like a negative way to talk about this card, but we'll get very much get into the positives in a second talking about the, the two main events. Uh, what do you think of the card in general, Graham? And is there anything that I kind of missed out on that you're looking forward to, Anna? Well, yeah, I think as you mentioned, the UFC would usually kind of like to come back with a with a bang after a break, especially in 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 the new year. And obviously, having you know an undefeated heavyweight against you know Francis Ngannou, one of the heaviest hitters in the history of the DUC and heavyweight division. So, obviously, that's a huge fight. And you know, the championship being on the on the line is is a big fight. But I think something, yeah, yourself and Harry were talking about on one of the Patreon podcasts about rushing these rematches and you know if uh, Figueredo had gone out there maybe and you know taken a few guys out impressively in the top 10 or 15 even uh, and then for Moreno again I think there'd be more excitement behind this but you can also from the other side of it understand why the UFC are doing it but uh you know, uh, I think this fight is probably it'll probably be a really good fight. Like, you know what I mean? It, but it's it's not one people are really looking forward to. This fight is one is a for most people, I think, is a one a one fight fight card. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it probably is. I suppose for a lot of people, you're right. But I do think, uh, I do think the the core main event is good. But yeah, you you are right. It's like I mentioned on those podcasts as well. I think it'll probably actually be coming out this week. I don't think it's out uh, yet, but. We, it's like this, look, we talked about the Max Holloway-Volkanovsky matchmaking and stuff ad nauseum in the last week here and on, on Sherdog as well, so I won't go over that again. But it's one of those fights, right? I think a lot of people, they heard Max Holloway versus Volkanovsky and they were really excited. You know, they, they, they think it was the right matchmaking and everything like that. But then there was actually a lot of people as well. I would say maybe 50-50, but even if it's not, let's say 40% of the people heard Max Holloway fighting Volkanovsky and were like, ugh. 
you know, a little bit. That shouldn't be. Like, those are two of literally the, the greatest fighters of all time in the history of the sport. And that's that's actually not even going overboard. They're two brilliant technicians, exciting, brilliant as well. And the, the matchmaking of them at this exact time, I feel like is just not it. I feel like it's just not it. And that's been a big problem for the OC. And we'll have a full podcast coming out on that, I suppose. So we won't talk too much about it. But I feel... For Figueredo and Moreno, when it was announced, we had the same exact thing. We're like, oh, oh, really? That's that's happening again? Like, because I think Figueredo's had his issues making 125. He looked like death the last time. I remember him getting on the scale, looked pretty bad, and then he didn't really deliver on the fight. I think most people thought, you know, okay, if he wants to change something up and try to get to 125, maybe healthier or whatever it might be, and you know as you said have one or two fights even one fight i think in that division for for a guy like him who is kind of uh one loss and one draw with the with the current champion at the moment it probably would have been enough whereas in other divisions we're probably arguing about it but i think most people including myself thought okay he's a big enough guy for 125 probably time to move to 135 there's lots of fun fights there i remember cody garbrand calling him out and things at a certain time and then that didn't happen either and it was just it was it was just a bit weird it was it was a kind of a a more odd matchmaking which now i'm thinking about i'm thinking about this fight i'm looking forward to it again but it's yeah it just seems like the ufc yeah, like figueredo could come out there put on a brilliant performance yeah. and you know or either of them it could be a back and forth fight it could be a brilliant fight but the excitement going into it for you know me and you were going to watch these cars no matter what but for other people that they're trying to bring in like you know if, they, if people are coming in for the Nganu and uh uh, Dianganu and uh, Silgane, or <laughs> I know I was pronouncing his name wrong, but uh, yeah, um, if they're coming in for that fight, uh, are they really gonna be paying attention? You know, what are they gonna be kind of having a chat and really paying attention to these fights? You know, is anything gonna grab them? Is there that big, big name that's gonna, you know, um, uh, draw them in to sit down a little bit earlier? I suppose the UC don't really care because the pay per view is already paid for and all that, but uh. For building future stars, you know, you, you think with such a huge fight and, you know, everybody everybody likes a heavyweight fight, even if you're not really like a big MMA fan or a big boxing fan, when there's a big heavyweight title fight with two serious guys, like a lot more people will tune in. So, you know, maybe the UFC are kind of missing a beat there and they could have put a few more uh, up-and-comers or uh, big prospects on the on the main card uh, yeah. underneath these two guys. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. And they have a few, don't get me wrong. Like, I think we all think Saeed Nurmagomedov is a very good fighter. And to, I think the Burry is one of the best fighters in the world. He'd be, you know, and, and they tried to match him up a little bit better. I think the Jordan fight's still a good fight, don't get me wrong as well. So there is a few, but... It's it's names that we would know, or probably a lot of the people listening to this podcast would know. But if you're listening to this podcast, one day or a preview of Francis Ngannou, yeah, they've already got Ngannou. our money. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't. yeah, but no, that's what I'm saying. Like if you're thinking, all oh, right, you you heard the heavyweight title fights coming up this weekend. Let's listen to Sean and Graham, see what they have to talk about it, and let's look down through the card. And it's like, well, okay, I you know I'll put on my clock for half five in the morning if I'm here in Ireland, and I'll watch that one, and I won't bother watching the, the rest of the car. It's not actually, it's a weird one, though, because we're looking at it from that perspective. I actually think it's 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 not bad. It's not a bad card at all. It's a good card, but it does, just doesn't draw you in anything, and I actually think in in practice, it will be worth watching, and it will be it will be very good, but uh, we, we shall digress on that one, and we'll talk about the, uh, uh, we'll talk about the big fights. I, I, we will come back to the co-main event in a second. Now we're going kind of back and forth here through, through everything. But I want to talk about the main event. I think, look, we, we, we don't do it that often on this podcast in, in the last while. But the storylines, I think, entering this fight are... Look, a lot of them are kind of... Um, 
are, are, are a little bit made up or a little bit pushed, I suppose, with the whole ex-teammate and, you know, that video of Francis walking past Cyril and not shaking his hand and Cyril, like, kind of have looking at him and stuff was very odd. Um, and and that that's fine. But I think the biggest storyline, actually, is the one with Francis. And, you know, there's talks of if he, uh, if he loses or whatever it might be, he's only one fight left in his UFC contract. And, you know, we won't get into this bullshit boxing, Tyson Fury talk and all of that. But it does look like he is very unhappy with the UFC. It's hard to see any, actually many places in the world where he will get paid outside the UFC, the amount of money that he is looking to get. I think anyone, if you're in Francis Ngannou's uh, position and you don't get the John Jones fight, which you were, you were probably looking for, which would have been a big money fight on pay-per-view and would have sold a lot more than, than this. I think this will probably do relatively well, but I think that would have done a lot more. I think most people would agree. You probably are a little bit mad with, with, with the UFC, and you're probably thinking, like, is the grass green or somewhere else? I'm not sure if it is. I actually don't think it is. You know, yeah, it, that's really the problem yeah. for him. Like, you know, he can try and bargain hard all he wants, but Dana's like, you know, he's dealt with a lot of hard bargainers, and and it's all well and good to uh, say, oh, I'll fight Tyson Fury, but that's not going to happen, like, is it? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think Dana will be uh, too flustered by that. You know what I mean? Um, uh, it's a tough situation because you know he does on all these fighters, nearly all of these fighters, or all of them. You can we can debate about that. It's a different conversation, but they, you know, these guys who are bringing in big draws, selling pay per views like Ngannou do deserve more than they're getting. But as you said, where are they going to go and get more? I, they might be able to get it for one or two fights somewhere else. Maybe, probably not even, but possibly. And then where do they go from there? You know, if Nganu can keep doing what he's doing in the UFC, you know, I think that's the best way he's going to make money. Even if even if he has to fight on a similar deal to he's on now, that's kind of just the unfortunate reality of the situation. Yeah, and I, I like I like the, the way fighters are fighting for this money because that, that's what you need. But the UFC are in such a strong position, and you know, we we've heard about the uh, the lawsuit that's been going on. It seems like a decade now. You know, with uh, the whole talking about it being a monopoly and monopolistic things, it's. I don't think it is that. It shows some traits, absolutely. But there are. Look, there are. There. If you're. Um, if you're Elia Tapuria, right, and you come to the end of your contract, then you're probably on. You know, what's Elia Tapuria on? Probably 25 and 25, maybe, if. You know, with, with the OC. If he got to the end of his contract, he was, let's say, 15 and 0. I'm sure Bellator would love to sign him and probably give him like 50 and 50 maybe, you know. But if you're Francis Ngannou and you're maybe on pay-per-view points and you're getting 2 million for a fight, you know, Bellator would love to have you, but can they afford to give you 3 million or 4 million or 5 million, you know? I, I don't think they can anymore with losing to the zone deal. And at the time, a few years ago, when they were signing lads for bigger money, they were talking about pay-per-view and they had done a couple of pay-per-views. I don't know whether they're going to revisit that or not. Like, if they had a Francis or maybe a John Jones or a Conor McGregor or something, maybe they would then. Like, what other, other options are there? We talked about boxing. Maybe you'll get one boxing fight or maybe you'll get a BKB fight and they'll pay you a, god, a godly amount of money. But you can't, like... Is that a thing that can keep going? Like you talked to Artem there a couple of weeks ago and he said, look, I'd come back if they gave me a, a large amount of money. So the large amount of money he got for the BKB fight was there, but it quickly kind of dried up, you know? Um, and I think that will be a big issue for anyone. And now we're saying that we're a little bit kind of supposed to then devil, devil's advocate here, uh, but also telling kind of the truth. Like Francis... It, <sighs> He's in a he's in a really bad position because he should be getting more. He knows he's kind of getting taken here, 
but also like what can he do there are no other options there, yeah there's very no little. viable options to make more money that are safe you know you could take a big risk but it's a big risk a very big risk yeah like the best thing he could do here is win the fight you know, and sit out, and you know, and the last time he tried to sit out, they made an interim title about two weeks later. So that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if you win idea. with one fight left in your contract, it rolls over the champions clause if you are champion. So he's then stuck in another contract. So uh, he's obviously pissed about the situation and the the kind of the way the contracts are structured uh, as well, but. You know, the UFC have the fact that you signed the contract, you know, <laughs> and um, Dana's like, he's not really one to budge on these things. Once he's put his heels in, you're, you're you know, uh, I, don't, I don't see any way of changing his mind. So if Francis wants to make a big stand and take a big risk, he can, but... <sighs> I, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Right, let's talk a little bit about the, the fight itself, I suppose. And uh, I, I saw John Anik putting up a thing the other day about the, uh, or yesterday even, about the large octagon versus the small octagon. And this fight is on in, where is it on in? It's on in um, the Honda Center in, in Anaheim, California. So I suppose it will be the larger octagon, which is... For a heavyweight fight and for Cyril Gagne, a massive, massive thing coming in huge here. Huge for Cyril. Yeah, huge. And huge. I think it's a huge in the co-main event as well. We'll get to that. Um, look, this is going to be a fight where Francis Ngano is looking for that big shot. We saw him against Stipe and he was way, way, way more patient with his shots, looking for his shots. Looked a little bit more technical even when looking for those shots. And obviously to stop the takedowns and all of that as well. And I think he will be a little bit less patient here because there really isn't the threat of the takedown for Cyril now. Could Cyril throw in a few takedowns? Maybe. I think that probably actually would be wise. But if he is to beat Francis, I think it'll be uh, like no one has ever done it before. And obviously, the same goes the other way around, considering Cyril is undefeated. So... Look, Ganya, if you've never seen him fight before, he is a technician. He has a beautiful jab. He isn't the hardest hitting heavyweight in the world, but he can hit hard too. And he, you know, really, really and good footwork. And he sticks work. to a game plan really, Brilliant. really well. Yeah. So it's it really is a, a, a melding of styles here in, in like the most... Uh, different way possible, I suppose. You know, it's like it's like Man City playing against Burnley or something. You know, but in, in that that's that's a bad way of putting it. But you know what I mean, like a a really good version of Burnley against uh, against Man City. I, what way do you think it'll go? Do you think it will be Francis landing that big shot, or will still be able to dance like, around? You, you, you probably mean like Atletico Madrid of a couple of years exactly. ago. Exactly, that's, <laughs> that's a that's a better way of putting it there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, this is a. Uh, this is a tough fight for Francis. I think you know, uh, as you mentioned, the, the big cage. Like he, he has huge power in his uh, in his hands, and you know, Cyril has never been in as big a moment as this. He never fought anybody as good as uh, Francis. You know, he's, he's beaten De Santos, but Junior De Santos wasn't w what he was when he was at his peak uh, by any means. And you know, Falkoff and Lewis are, are good wins, but. Rosenstruck as well is a good win, but they're they're not exactly the best of the best. So it definitely is a step up, and uh, you know there could be some nerves here. But I don't see from what I've seen of Cyril that it, that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna affect him maybe as much as it could another another fighter in the same uh, situation. 
Uh, Francis, obviously, though, you know, with that big power, he doesn't even have to land clean. He can land half a shot, and you you don't know what you don't know what's going on. You're on your face before you know it, and you know you're out then, or you're you're getting ground and pounded out. There, there always is that threat, but I think if Cyril can you know stay on his bike and uh, stick to his game plan, which I think he's very good at, uh, you know, mix in at least takedown attempts or threats, if if not if not uh, establishing takedowns and tire Francis out and take the pop out of his punches and you know if he can get out of the the first round and a half and and not not be uh, nearly knocked out I think you know he'll probably easily take over the fight as Ngani's first to tire yeah, I I would tend to agree with that. Like you probably couldn't have better preparation for Francis Ngannou than uh, you know Luis dos Santos Rosenstruck type of fights. You know lads who will try to throw big punches at you and you have to try to get away from them and do what you want to do. Now no one's like Francis Ngannou. Don't get me wrong. The difference but is only a half a quarter of a punch. Yeah, from exactly. <laughs> but it's it's all it's one of those ones right where you're. If you, you you know you made the point there about if you're holding on by the, the second or third round you're still in there and you're still you know alive you're you're going to win that fight and you are but like even even more than that I think if he is like ultra 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 defensive for the first couple of rounds and it could lead to a boring fight but if he is I think that's a surefire way for him to win because Francis not is not one of these guys who's going to outpoint you and you know throw fifteen shots around with you know and land all fifteen shots around on the outside in in sort of a match like let, let's say someone like McGregor who is a known power puncher down through the years well he can also like win a decision against you even if he doesn't knock you out in lots of fights if you know if if the gas stares there for for three or five rounds. Um, and other, you know, JDS is even a guy like that as well, or Mark Hunt, or other guys who we've seen with power down through the years. Whereas, not really with Francis against a guy like, um, like Ganya, who is, um, a, like a technician who will land shots from the outside. And if he is fighting on the outside, he will be throwing le- leg kicks and maybe a few high kicks and maybe trying to jab the odd time to get through. But if he, if it is really, really low output, really, really, um, risk averse for Gagne I think that would be absolutely perfect for him because there will um, be a point in that fight where the more Francis is made miss or the more he's made weight even rather than miss I think he will try to throw more and that will make him gas because if he's not landing in the first two to three rounds he is going to panic he's going to have to panic and try to uh, have to try to do something because it's all well and good you know we t- I, I talked there at the start of this about his newfound um, uh, t- uh, tactics and technique against Stipe but there's no point looking good technically and tactically for five rounds if there's a guy who's better technically and tactically up against you you know you're going to have to get in there and land those shots and it could actually play against him but look he could also uh, be Francis Ngannou walks straight forward, lands one punch, and Cyril Gagne goes night night <laughs> because that's what Francis Ngannou is, and he can absolutely do that. So I, look, it is that I, I think he can do that. I don't think he will. I I, I think I'm picking Cyril Gagne to win this fight. But look, it's one of those ones. If we're betting on it, bet Gagne by decision, bet Ngannou versus via knockout in the first round, and you'll probably win some money <laughs> somewhere anyway. But it's a fascinating matchup. It's look, it's one of those that. You'll probably have people breaking it down, and I'm sure I'll be somewhere else breaking it down as well. And uh, you know, Dan Tom and Luke Thomas and everyone out, uh, all in the media breaking this down. But it's a very, very simple fight. Very simple. You have two big fuck off heavyweights who are going out there to 
either knock the head off you or outpoint you and one of them will win and one style will win one technique will win now that doesn't mean that Ganya can't knock out Ngano as well but that's the way this fight is going to go it's a simple simple matchup but fun and exciting and I uh, I really can't wait for it what, what way do you think it'll go have you any more on, on the main event yeah, well, I, I I would if I was betting, I would go with Cyril. But you know, it's always uh, it's always uh, an apprehensive pick when it's Nganu with somebody with the power of Nganu. I think the size of this man, you know, Cyril's a big a big guy, but Francis is, is something else. Uh, size of his hands, size of his punching power. You know, he's 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 young in the game both of them are young in the game like you know Francis Ngannou hasn't been training that long either you know there's definitely development to be made but I just think Cyril's game is just so much more well rounded but you know we've seen so many times big punches change fights and you know the, the first round is going to be so dangerous for uh, for Cyril and uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Francis put him away in the first or the early in the second um, with a big punch or you know um Drops him and grounds and pounds him or something like something along those lines in in the early rounds. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I'd be picking Cyril. Uh, I you know with not very much confidence. Yeah, I I would pick him with a good bit of confidence to be honest. But I'm often wrong, so I don't. Know. My my biggest question for Cyril, and we'll, we'll move on after this. But like, will he try to counter Francis at any time? Like, will he um, bet on his speed? And accuracy against Francis's power, like Willie Betton, his defensive later ability. in the fight, maybe, but yeah. at the start of the at the start of the round, if he does that, that's asking for big trouble, yeah, and that would be very ill advised. Yeah, it probably would be, but you never know with these mad lads. But uh, yeah, I can't wait. Anyway, it's a it's a fascinating one, and uh, you know it's interesting because. Uh, you know, I said there, and I I went on a soliloquy about it being a simple matchup, and and it is. But also, I have to mention this as well because we we've been caught out before. Sometimes we don't get what we expect. You know, there might be something different here. There might be something very. Maybe Francis come out and he kicks a leg for fucking five rounds, and he got bugs him. You know, or maybe maybe he just jabs him, jabs him, and jabs him up for the whole night. Now, you know, I I don't think so. But something different could happen. These high level fights are often decided by something different happening and it'll be interesting to see and look out for that as well so i'm uh, i'm really looking forward to it and i can't can't wait for that one right let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the co-main event uh, moreno against figueredo i think it's a very interesting fight because the first fight you know figueredo came in as a big favorite obviously we had what happened there we had the draw and figueredo got tired and kind of towards the end of it and moreno did really really well i think a lot of people thought figueredo still won the fight um then we had the second fight, and Moreno came in there. He looked more confident, you know. I think he he kind of accepted himself in that level more than he'd ever done before. I think everyone will probably agree as well that Figueredo maybe didn't have his best day, as I mentioned earlier, with the weight cut and everything like that. And Moreno was able, you know, to go in there and not only go in there and win, but get the finish in. Well, I think it was the third round, wasn't with that rear naked choke. So yeah, third round. It's. It's an interesting fight coming into this one. I think a lot of it depends on what Figueredo shows up. The questions, are, yeah, fight. the questions around Figueredo. You know, was it the wake up? Was it the first time coming in there? You know, the first time when it was a draw, coming in there, taking him lightly, like he said uh, after the first one. You know, he came into the second one saying that, and then he looked terrible on the scales and kind of got beaten. He was, he was, you know. Uh, second to everything nearly in that in that fight and ended up getting submitted and kind of dominated in in a, in a lot of ways 
so, you know, this is, you know, uh, before that Marino fight, I thought he'd probably, you know, reign at the top for uh, the division for for a couple of years. But maybe it's just the, the style matchup of Moreno is a bad style matchup for him. He, he's got a lot of questions to ask to to answer here. Uh, it's a tough one to pick. Like, you know, after the last fight, it's, uh, it's hard to go with, it's hard to go against Moreno. But, you know... If Figueredo comes out on form, like we we saw him on his kind of um, uh, his rise to the, the to the title, like I picked that Figueredo over Moreno, but I don't know if that Figueredo is is still there. Can he can he still be that guy at one twenty five? Does he need to move to one thirty five? As you said, I think all the most of the interesting questions around that are kind of around Figueredo. I would I would tend to agree with you and. That that's exactly it's, and I don't want to be disrespectful to Brandon Moreno necessarily here either. I think he's a very very good fighter, but I I do think, and I I think you probably agree as well. Like the best Figueroa beats the best Moreno. I think if they both show up at hundred percent, Figueroa wins that fight. But you know, as we're both kind of alluding, to, will that best Figueroa show up? Because you know, yeah, I want to see him on the scale before yeah. I'm like. In any bets, anyway, <laughs> to I'm make not, the but... final pick, yeah, I have to put out a betting show on like wins as I affect. I can't, I can't do it. Maybe we'll see about fight week and stuff. But yeah, look, like if you look at those Benavidez fights and the Alex Perez fight and the Tim Elliott fight, where he's just blitzing these lads in the first and second round and destroying them, and you know, getting submissions and finishes here, looking he's... so complete and yeah. like stringing everything together beautifully, and then yeah. Like finishing Joseph Benavidez like four times in the space of about ninety seconds. Like people don't do that to to Joseph Benavidez even at that stage of his career. He just like he looked on a different level. He reminded me of a little bit of Amanda Nunes when, and funnily enough, maybe Amanda Nunes again now at this stage of his career. But like she was, we always knew Figueroa was a good fighter. Maybe I didn't actually before. Someone gave out to me on the lads on Twitter. It was like I kind of scoffed at him once when he said uh, that Figueroa would be a champion. But soon after, I changed my mind. But it, no, he did lose to Farmiga as well in 2019 and to kind of turn it around for there, from there and reach his potential and become like this unstoppable champion, what it seemed like, was unbelievable. And for it to turn around so quickly from beating Alex Perez at the start or at the end of 2020 to, you know, at the, the midpoint or the month after to draw with, with Moreno, that, that was a big problem as well in that one. He had a quick turnaround, but then he did have the, the six or seven months or whatever it was to prepare for the next fight. It, it, it has been a quick turnaround, and whether that's something that happened in, especially the second fight, because I think everyone thinks he won the first fight, whether that's something he can turn around, whether he can accept, uh, and whether he can change it or not is a, is a big question here. But, you know, if he... Look, if he comes in, he will come in early and he will... I, I think he'll be confident. He will throw his big shots. And it's a very similar fight, I suppose, to the main event in that if Moreno can weather that, tire him out a little bit and keep going late. You know, we, we know Moreno. He's a very, very good fighter. He has... He choked him out in his last fight. We know that. He's he's won lots of decisions in the UFC against guys like Rival and Farmiga and Kai Kara France and others. Like, we all know how good Moreno is. So I think if he can survive that first, second round, I think Figueredo's maybe mindset will go against him. And, um, uh, and Moreno will will take over and end up winning that, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm look I'm looking forward to it as well. Maybe it isn't the fight that makes the most sense, but it is definitely a fight. Uh, it's definitely a fight I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to, and I can't wait to uh, to see it on on next uh, next Saturday night. Um, there's no other massive 
uh, event on. I look, we, we've talked a little bit about the other fights, and we've said, you know, aside from Magomedov, Tony Gravely, and others on this card, Brasola's my guy, Mikel Pereira, is always going to be exciting. Uh, it's always exciting to see him. Uh, no massive card next week either, apart from that, the LFA have a card, um, uh, you know, doing good things there over in uh, over in the states with uh, you know their 125 pound title on the uh, on the line in in that one. Uh, Bellator back in the week after that. We'll obviously speak about that as well. Um, on the Irish MMA front, Graham over the um, over the the Christmas. There hasn't been there hasn't been lots. Obviously, we came out with the um, the awards and. A, um, they, they, I think they went down pretty well. Got no reply from Ian Gary, though, the Irish fighter of the year. He's gone too big for his boots now. That, big time. You know, big time, big gone time big Gary. Time. Yeah, uh, Leah McCord was delighted. I was happy for Leah. I think she deserved it. You know, we've seen before Danny McCormack won it years ago. Sinead Cavanaugh won it. You know, Ashling Daly. I think Dee Begley even won it, won it, won it like one year when she won the, did she win the gold in the amateurs or something like that. Uh, so it's been, you know, it's been spread around a lot. And I think the fact Leah had never won it was a pity. And she definitely deserved it for this year. But yeah, I, I think FAI were delighted winning Jim of the Year as well. And uh, it was it was a great year for, I think, for Irish MMA and all, you know. Uh, as we look forward, uh, Dean Barry has put up in his uh, on his Instagram that he signed with the UFC again. Um, from, I think, what we're hearing, that the Mike Jackson fight looks like it's going to uh, it's going to be happening again. They're trying to get that back on. So if I am not mistaken, that's going to be on a fight night on uh, around april 23rd so i don't know if that's news now or not by the time this podcast comes out but that's what they're targeting and looking at anyway you know with that fight it's a bit cursed so <laughs> whether that happens or not no we'll wait and see but you know mcgregor seems to be yeah, back. like habib versus ferguson <laughs> it all is, over again yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> mcgregor seems to be back in the gym doing a bit of stuff and i know he's not back 100 percent training or anything yet he he did an interview with someone a while ago and he said like it's you know, he's on his way, but not there yet. And then we have, you know, we mentioned Ian Gary. No word on his next fight yet. Um, Paul Hughes is going to be fighting for the 145-pound title. It's a good card, that. And they announced a few other featherweight fights. And uh, Ian Dean replying to me, he said, oh, we'd love to put on, like, a full featherweight card, which I think would be brilliant. Harila uh, is on that as well. And Hinden and a few others as well. So, um you know, hopefully we'll see Reese McKee back. We have obviously the massive Bellator coming up, which we talked about just before. Hopefully, with the restrictions uh, in Ireland, that uh, that is able to happen. It looks like the Taoiseach was on the Lele show at the weekend, and he was kind of half hinting that look, we're on on track for the restrictions to be lifted. They're supposed to be at the end of the the month, so hopefully that happens. I don't know if it will or not, but um. Yeah, look, as we get into the new year, it's it's been a very slow start to the new year for MMA and Irish MMA and all of it, but that's good. You know, we needed a bit of a break. I feel a little bit revitalized, and I know you do too, Graham. We had a bit of time off from, from um, you know, podcasts and talk and shite and everything like that, and it's good to be back. And for Irish MMA as well, it's a, a big year ahead, isn't it? Yeah, well, there wasn't much of a break. We we obviously have uh, loads over on Patreon there uh, as well, but uh, yeah, there was a a little bit of a break from the the regular podcast. Uh, so it's nice to be back. Uh, obviously, it, it was a good year. We we obviously you mentioned the the awards. We obviously have a podcast on the the same the same feed that you're probably listening to this on. If you you missed that over Christmas and New Year's, you can go back and listen to that. And we have Sean's twenty bold predictions. Uh, review of, of last year and the announcement of, of this year's uh, bold slash stupid uh, predictions. 
indeed. What do you think? Uh, what do you think of Fermer McGregor? I put up a video over the the Christmas. I suppose we're coming to the new year. We haven't. We have, we're an Irish MMA podcast. We very rarely talk about Conor McGregor. We should do it. Some, I I think for Tony Ferguson is the fight if he's coming back. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think we talked about it before. Yeah, I think I think it makes sense. Uh, I don't think there's any rush to come back. I think you know, with something so serious like a uh, broken, you know, uh, fibia or tibia or whatever it is, um, yeah, rushing it would be a bad idea. You look at what happened to Chris Weidman and you, you, you don't want to end up in that situation. So uh, if the if if Tony Ferguson's looking for a fight at the time, I think it makes sense. Um, but I think what the UFC will probably do is not do that and they'll probably do the Dustin Poirier fight I I hate that I think that fight makes but that's what they'll probably do we've been talking about the, you were uh, reference again the podcast you were doing with, um, a podcast you were doing on the Patreon with Harry and and Ian Um, you know it's not really about working your way back up now it's about putting on the UFC are just trying to put on big headliner fights yeah, to sell pay-per-views that, yeah that's true and but that'd be grand I know Tony Ferguson is a big fight but the Dustin Poirier one is the yeah, the one that, that people be, really want to see. Look, that, that fight actually makes sense from like a rankings point of view and all now, considering Dustin Poirier just lost. Like if he if he was the champion, it'd make more sin less sense from uh, like a, yeah. a American. A comeback fight for Connor would make a lot more sense uh, to do what you're suggesting. But yeah. Andy for the UFC, like you think that would be the correct move to make, but in the recent years, maybe even since Joe Silva left, it hasn't really been that way. I agree. I agree. But what I don't agree on is, like, if Parry had won the title against uh, Charles Oliveira, didn't I think for the UFC, right, you're getting the, the quadrology in a title fight, Conor McGregor against Dustin Parry? That's massive. Now you're getting Parry coming off of a loss, no title on the line, McGregor in an unnecessarily hard fight coming from an injury. It's like, I think it'd be worth that risk if the title was on the line and if it was a big, look, it'd probably still be a pay-per-view headliner, but a big pay-per-view headliner at the very top of the division and people would be giving out about McGregor getting and everything. But from the UFC's point of view, it makes sense. Now, like, Poirier is just, he's not the champion. He's just another fighter in that division. And now it's, okay, we, we know he's not just another fighter. He's a very good fighter, but he's, uh, you know, the McGregor's rival and everything like that. But the second he lost that fight, it, the world changed. And I think for McGregor, it was it was a great thing because, like, if you're McGregor, you've always, you know, every time he's come back and every time he's tried to, like, reach the top again or whatever he's done, he's tried to do something different, tried to take a very different step. Now, the last step, he tried to take a few years ago was doing the season and having the three fights and everything like that and I actually think Tony Ferguson is probably doing that the Tony Ferguson matchmaking is probably doing that so he probably won't do it again but I also think the Paria one is repeating what you're doing you know coming back to fight Paria the first time in you know a, a fight that you've had before I, I just don't think it makes sense like that to me is like the Diaz fight it's a back pocket fight it's there yeah. whenever you need it Fight Tony no, I think so. No. I, I, I can see that. I can see that completely. But I think it's. I think the most likely, like if we're being realistic, the most likely things to happen is he gets a title shot or he fights Justin Poirier. I think the Tony yeah. Ferguson one does make a lot of sense, but I don't think it's likely, like at all. But uh, yeah, you never know. But many, I don't think. How many pay per view buys do Ferguson is. versus McGregor do at the top of a card? I'd probably do a lot. I'd probably do between 1 and 1.5. I think it'd be big. Like, I think people who... Uh, look, the MMA fans wouldn't forget it. So you got the Rogan... You got the Rogan thing yeah. to factor in. They'd probably be talking about it a lot. Massively. That, like, that has, what, 12 million listens, apparently, per episode on average. So that's fucking a lot of listens. All, all the right-wing nutjobs would be <laughs> fucking buying it. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
all the anti-vaxxers will be buying the fucking McGregor. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, but like, we wouldn't forget it. Everyone listening to this podcast wouldn't forget where Tony Ferguson is now. But Josh Moore on the street would forget it. You know, absolute that fight would be massive. I think. I don't know. It just it makes too much sense, and that's why I think it probably won't fucking happen. But we need to get we need to get Connor on board, and we know he listens to the podcast. It makes such sense. You beat Tony Ferguson, you earn a load of money. It's an easier fight. You get back in to fighting you got back into a camp into preparation by the time your next camp comes your injury is gone you're healed you're back you're at 100% your knees are better I'm sure with the rest they've had over the last year come on fight Poirier next or fight well, whoever it might Connor's be probably not, Connor's probably going to want to fight Oliveira is Oliveira going to probably want to fight Connor maybe is Dana going to want to yeah. put that fight together that could happen probably. or ESPN going to want that fight probably Definitely, you know yeah, yeah. Like the Tony Ferguson fight does make a lot of sense as I said but I think the UFC won't go for that. I wonder, like, I think a lot of, you know, McGregor has had very, uh, you know more than Danny, we've seen in the documentary, he's had a lot of niggling injuries over the last while. I wonder, will this, like, year out actually help them a little bit? And will he, like, okay, the broken, no one wants to get a broken leg, but I wonder would it, I wonder would it actually be good for him to let things heal maybe a little bit, or maybe, I don't know if he's had little bits of surgery or anything like that to, to get things scoped, or maybe little bits of, uh, of physio that would help him. I don't know. Like, it... <sighs> There's a lot of people want to ask what has happened to McGregor and all of that, and a lot of it is to do with the fame and the silk sheets and all like that as well. But he's had horrendous injuries over the years, like uh, that, and that if to to just rule that out as as part of it as well, I think is is a big thing. And well, your yeah, knees are very important, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, right. especially when you have a style like Connor did <laughs> yeah. and does. You know, it's it, there's no doubt about that, really. Yeah, no doubt about it. You sound like Alex Ferguson there, but yeah. Right. Anything else? Anything else, Graham, to talk about before we go? Um, um, yeah, Man United no, versus Aston no, Villa. <laughs> that was a great performance for Man United, I must say. Best performance of the year so far. Unlucky towards the that end. That doesn't say much best performance of the year so far. If you look at the stats, I'd say Villa had all the, the main stats over you, nah, bar the scoreline, which is obviously you, you too You'll be bringing out fucking XG now. Oh, yeah, like 30 minutes in the first half, the keeper threw one in, and then they, they played you through, and nice true ball for Fernandez to, to kick it down the middle of the goal. You'll be on about your XG. Yeah, yeah. Well, we leave it there. We leave it. No, no one wants soccer. No. We don't want it. We actually... In fairness, though, come the end of the season, the way it's looking with Man City running away with it, like and the, the you know the most interesting the most interesting yeah. thing by the end could be this Man United versus Wolves, Wolves Brighton, Brighton Spurs yeah, race yeah, for the Europa yeah, League conference yeah, yeah, so yeah. like you know uh, do you fake, at least you have something to, to, to keep your eye tests? on until the end of the season fake any COVID tests between here and the last podcast no, 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 no. Show yeah. me, show me some evidence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All your talk, you talk, and you talk, oh, and you yeah, talk. It's a fact. <laughs> it's a fact. I fucking knew it. You're like Liverpool. Oh, my God. That club is rotten to the core. I fucking, I call that. And well, the fact is so dead. I thought we were talking about Manny versus Villa here, no? You know what I There's more to say about that. What about Phil Coutinho? What did you think about his performance? You're breaking into the fucking NHS website here and all. And then what happens? I'm fucking dead right. Shawnee fucking knows. The second Mo Salah was on that plane, Jurgen Klopp was going around fucking licking doorknobs and everything. He was. We all know it. Speaking he, of Mo Salah, he just scored a goal uh, for Egypt. So uh, Never liked him. Yeah. He's, who's he going to be playing for next year? Real Madrid, Barcelona, PSG? Uh, I'd say Liverpool. Do you want to bet on that, dude? 
Marsala, Marsala, winning one cup with the best team in the world ever. And that must be embarrassing, isn't it, for a Liverpool fan? This is the greatest team in the history of the Premier League. And won world one champions, league European champions, provincial one champions. One league. And all the best team of all Nine, time. High 90 points uh, consecutively. Something Man United have never done. So, oh, yeah. uh, oh, God yeah. help us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with two teams in the league. And the year he won at that other team with the rest of the decisions on like 81 points like Leicester against a bunch of farmers. A bunch of drunk. Bellies, bouncers at the back like Razor Ruddock and the boys. Yeah, yeah, fucking Blackburn has as many Premier League titles as you. What are you talking about? Anyway, um, Premier League titles. <laughs> well, they changed the they changed the, 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 the name of the Premier yeah. League from the Premiership. So, as Man United fans uh, know very well, and as part of their religion, can you, can once you, you change a name, nothing very, exists before that. So, you're very uh, close to your mic- Man United logic. You're very close to your microphone there. We'll, we'll talk again, Graham, when you've calmed down. We leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I, the last which podcast on it, the Twinny Ball predictions. Lo, like three or four people are said to me, "Oh, this could be the last ever podcast." As the lads are rowing, I thought like rowing. Yeah, <laughs> we're having a bit of banter, no? <laughs> a bit of banter. We're always fucking banter. Like every time Man United are playing, I almost block you off my phone. Oh, the abuse, <laughs> sending abuse to each other. Man United, Liverpool are playing. Every incident, every throw-in <laughs> is disputed on WhatsApp. <laughs> Not even that's not even a lie, like not even a lie. But anyway, fucking butterfly effect is the worst. Squad, we better leave it there. So, uh, happy new year to everyone. I appreciate you all. As Graham said earlier, sign up patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. You got a sneak peek of some of the podcasts coming up, um, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Myself and Harry and Ian actually did like a trifecta of podcasts with the three of us, a little bit different, a little bit special. So, they're fun. Graham, this week you have who do you have on the, the 10 years of severe May this week? Sergey Pikulski. Yeah, and Franz Malambo, and I have a couple more lined up as well, but uh, until they're in the in the can, we'll, 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 we'll keep them to ourselves, <laughs> close to our chest. Ourselves, yeah. So the Sergey interview coming up on this Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning, that'll be out, so I'm really looking forward to, to even listening to that one myself, and then Franz the Wednesday after as well, so uh, sign up on Patreon, you'll get both of those for, uh, in the month of January for your uh, your $5. Actually, I think as well, if you're already signed up, if you change to Euro, it'll actually cost you less. We'll get the same amount and everything, so there's no need to worry about that. So if you want to change to your Euro, uh, I think it actually, with the you know the changeover and money and all, you'll actually save money. So if you're signing up as well, if you're in Ireland, sign up with the Euro. If you're in Canada or in America, sign up somewhere, sign up with the dollar, wherever you might be. So, um, right, we will leave it there. And all we have to do now is get Graham's inspirational quote of the week. Graham. Inspirational quote is not so much, but course, maybe it is a little bit this time. Okay. But uh, Morrissey quote: "There are more than enough to fight and oppose. Why waste good time fighting the people you like who will fall defending your name?" Jeez, that's beautiful. Now we'll see you all next Sunday or t- Tuesday or whenever it might be. Good luck. <laughs>